With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. America's weekly motorcycle talk show. I got me a date with some of the motocrosses up around the way. Your source for weekly updates on what's happening in the world of motorcycle racing. You know how fast you're going? Industry news, trends, the people involved. I'm Ricky Carmichael. This is Kevin Schwartz. This is Josh Timoth. This is Kelly Smith. This is Travis Latron. This is Jeremy McGrath. And now, Pit Pass Radio. All right, and a good two-wheeled Tuesday or Sunday if you're on our flagship 1460 KXNO. Welcome. Big thanks to all our listeners out there, and uh, welcome to Pit Pass Moto Racing Weekly. I'm Tony Wink. Alongside my co-host PJ Doran, Jack and Leanne DeLeon are our producers. Tommy Boy Halverson and Ed Kuhlenkamp are also an intricate part to put this thing together. We appreciate everybody. Special in-studio guest for us today, Mark Good. He's the director, race director for Zero Prostate Cancer or Walk, if you prefer. It's a 5K to raise awareness for prostate cancer. It's, it's a nationwide organization, and we will be talking to him in just a moment we have an event coming up here very soon in the des moines area so we're we've invited him on to be on this program with us the uh, the vets motocrosses nations just wrapped up in farley castle england it's one of my favorite events i've participated in i went there in 2014 and it's no surprise that mike brown was invited and he wins everything while he's there unfortunately his team usa mustered only a second place overall however so the real some really good the british are uh, they, they know how to throw an event i'll tell you that they have a marching band they there's it's super super cool and vintage stuff everybody in costume too from the uh, period yes most well a lot of of period correct gear uh i saw hot sauce was there ivan tedesco he was running full new looking fox stuff but yeah, there's there's a lot of that going on. Uh, Dubok had an off week he, weekend. He he d- did something in qualifying and screwed up his back or something. But uh, we're, I'm going to invite those guys once they get back in the USA. I'm going to invite them to come on and talk about that event. That's an event that I've I've uh, s- expressed interest with with the promoter Dave King over there for the VMXDN, and I think I'm going to be there in 2020 if things go well. So that's that was this last weekend. So it's the weekend after Labor Day. If anybody's interested in, in attending that event, I'm telling you, it is super, super cool. It's not as expensive as you'd think. So uh, you can get, get a hold of me through the, uh, the Pit Pass radio website if you want to do that. And while Pro Motocross has been on idle in the U.S., it's been an interesting week in road racing. PJ, take us there, will you? Absolutely. We'll start with the World Superbike event in Portimao, Portugal. Race one saw Ray, Mr. Jonathan Ray over Chaz Davis and Michael Vandermark. Race two saw the return of Mr. Bautista um, with Ray in second and uh, the flying Turkish man, Razgat Lioglu. I think I said that right. Um Ray has got a pretty commanding, I think it's over, lead in the series after, as we all recall, it seems like just yesterday, Bautista had such a flying start on that Ducati. Um, but unfortunately for him and the rest of the field, Mr. Ray has reasserted his dominance. I think he's got 91 points on everybody right now or more. Then I will take us over to New Jersey Motorsports Park. Moto America just had a wonderful round uh, in the Superbike class. Race one saw Garrett Gerloff return to the top of the podium. The guy has been on fire over his teammate, 
Cam Bobier and Yamaha mounted JD Beach on the Estenson bike. Unfortunately, Mr. Gerloff had an off uh, after that race and was unable to compete. It was in the warm-up, I believe. He was unable to compete in race two. Um, speedy recovery, Garrett. We hope you're able to make it back for Barber. Race two then saw Bobier over JD with uh, very fast uh, Matthew Skoltz coming in uh, third place. Now with our series... Uh, coming to the final event at Barber, as mentioned, Tony Elias sits uh, on 333 points, holding a 16-point advantage over one Cambobier with 50 points on offer at the final event. It is going to come down to the wire, which is awesome. And in the Supersport class, equally exciting, uh, P.J. Jacobson pulls the double on the 600 uh, with Bobby Fong. Take him second in both races. We'll be talking to him later, and they fought all the way to the finish line in both of them. In race one, Sean Dillon Kelly came third. Race two, Hayden Gillen came third after a pretty massive crash that he had. Uh, that series, Fong holds a very narrow 10-point advantage going into the final uh, race of the season with Hayden Gillum another uh, 25 back from uh, P.J. Jacobson. So Gillum's 35 off of Fong. Uh, it's going to be a nail-biter at Barber. Uh, and our man, as mentioned, Drake Beecham, a uh, friend of the family of Pit Pass. He is currently sitting an unfortunate 21 points back from uh, Mr. Dumas, but that means it is possible. Anything's possible, Drake. Keep your head up. He was there. He he, he had a lead for a time <laughs> there. Um, what happened? Know, Mr. Dumas has come on strong, uh, I think, four in a row on race wins. Uh, this weekend, Drake was best he could do was fourth in the in the race. So he's given away a few more. You know, if you can't win, you want to be second. And he's given away a few points. Nobody knows it better than Drake, and he's a fighter. He will come all the way back, I'm sure. Um, so look forward to the barber round. Really do, and I'm going to be down there. Imagine I'm going to have to go watch. All right, thank you, PJ. I was going to bring on our in studio guest, but I I see that we have a, a guest on hold for ten minutes now, Jack. So much for calling him late. Um, so I, I, on the show today, we're going to have Bobby Fong, Larry Pegram. Did you see Pegram on the fly track? Pegram. Dude. Brad Jeraminski, Mike Witowski, and our next guest, who is currently third place in the pro class of the AMA American Hard Enduro, Nick Ferringer joins us. What's up, Nick? How are you? Doing well. How are you guys? We're, we're good. We did, I hope you didn't fall asleep. You got an energy drink sponsor to keep you going over there, or what's going on? No, I don't, uh, I don't do much of that. I've actually... Uh, rooting through sprockets. I'm uh, building up some wheels and bikes while I'm on hold, so no worries. <laughs> you got the headgear that or is, what? That is awesome. Yeah, yeah, keeping it busy here. It's uh, When you're trying to race full-time and work, It's uh, you, you got to burn it at both ends, I guess. What do you do besides racing these motorcycles? I, uh, I'm an engineer. Oh, yeah, we, uh, we talked about this. Yeah, yeah. So I actually work uh, for a family-owned company, Cycle Electric. Uh, I make electrical, uh, actually charging system components for uh, the V-Twin segment. Yeah. Um, so a little different than the off-road racing uh, stuff I'm accustomed to, but, uh, you know, it's a good place to build good parts. So not only are you better at motorcycling, dirt biking, whatever, than I am, you're you're also not a dummy. So I'm a dummy and I'm not that good at dirt biking, so it's it's kind of a bummer. No, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. But. Well, a lot of our listeners would. You, you would if you were any closer to us. You absolutely would. Or if you caught him anywhere uh, out in the open. <laughs> uh, how's the season been going for you, Nick? 
Uh, it's been an interesting one. Yeah, you mentioned I, I, we just wrapped up the American Heart Enduro Championship Series. I uh, finished a third, one point behind second uh, with Quinn Wenzel. And uh, it was an interesting season because it was the first for the American Heart Enduro Championship. And uh, it's a sport that's been just growing and kind of sprouting roots in the in the U.S. I mean, it's not a, a new sport by any means when you look at Europe, but uh, it's something that I'm really passionate about, and I'm super stoked to be able to race it and, and help influence the growth of the sport. So, yeah, so this was the first year for that, right, or was it the second year? This was the first year. We've had a number of, uh, I guess, events that fit into this genre or this category mm-hmm. that have uh, that, that have been around for a few years, but it's, it's the first year we've collected you know championship points from these rounds and and uh and kind of deemed a champion which ironically the championship went to uh south africa's uh 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 why am i having a, a brain fade moment here um <laughs> um wade young yeah i mean you could forget wade young um super talented and, and makes the uh american uh you know aside from cody webb he, he's he's on another level than the american so you're you're a, the, it was a was it a three round series or what was it? I can't remember. We had five rounds. Okay. Um, I remember because we started off in Texas at the uh, Rev Limiter event, and then uh, there was quite a break until and I may have this out of order. We did the uh, Tough Life Roar event in Pennsylvania, which has been around for a few years. Um, the uh, Battle of the Goats race in North Carolina, which is a kind of a too well kept secret. It's it's an awesome event. And then two uh, newer, smaller events, one in Ohio and one in uh, Kentucky, which was just two weeks ago to wrap up the series. So my question to you, Nick, is when you're – so we, we know the level of rider that you are. The, the, these events, you know, these extreme enduros or hard enduros, it attracts a certain kind of guy to go and do these and challenge – like, like the Tennessee knockout or, or any of these – it's these guys that are like, they really want to push themselves, but it also keeps a lot of people away. Like, I don't need none of that. You know what I mean? That You'll have that kind of guy that says, I don't need to be out there doing that because I know I'm not at that level. Can these events sustain? Can they, can they keep going based on, you know, it, it's, it's a, uh, either you're really good like you or you're a nut job and you want to push yourself until you're, you're half dead. Right. So do they get the numbers to, to be able to, to, keep going like um, like uh we hope they do so very interesting topic and question um you've got me loaded with like three different trains of thought here um yes yes and no <laughs> um the numbers are surprising i went to a hard enduro in idaho now mind you the chance to go race in idaho is kind of a just let's let's go check it out right they supposedly they at one point i recall them saying they had 500 entrants Let's just say it was between 350 and 500 entrants, which for an event that has minimal, uh, you know, infrastructure, that it was overwhelming and phenomenal for them. Uh, some of the, you know, TKO brings in a huge turnout. It's, it's getting GNCC size big, um, at least National Enduro big, which as we know, National Enduro sell out five, 600 riders around typically. Um, some of the, we'll say the, the events are more in their infancy or the ones that aren't quite as well known. Uh, some of them struggle to get the numbers just over a hundred. Um, stuff like Roar in Pennsylvania. I think they had 250. I might be mistaken. I'm really not good with numbers. <laughs> um, but you're exactly right. It's, it's not for the average guy, the sane guy, uh, the guy that doesn't like to tear stuff up. 
Um, we don't know if it's sustainable, but we also are trying to develop the event in a, in a manner where there, there can be a guy that wants to just push himself and his, his bike and see how far he can get and, and have a fair challenge and, and compete fairly with guys that are his peers, be it that there's an easier course for them or the, the event gets more more difficult as you progress, say there's different knockout rounds or just how far on the course can you get? And for the guy that maybe isn't as good but has a hard time swallowing the fact he's not good enough to finish an event, it's going to bum that one out. <laughs> it's going to bum that person out. But uh, it's there's a lot of learning to happen um, when we're trying to form this uh, segment in the U.S., that's for sure. So the, to be clear, is that happening, Nick, that, I mean, you have, uh, I would presume, uh, you know, there are there's going to be a handful of guys who maybe aren't capable right out of the gate, and they probably even know that, but they want to give it a go. Is there a, is are there a fair number of those guys? I think is a, is another way to ask the question. Tony's already asked. Are there some new? Is there new blood arriving at these events? There are. Um, I've. Uh, I guess I haven't gotten to know those guys good enough, uh, you know, well enough when they show up. But uh, you know, at uh, at Battle of the Goats, in North Carolina, it's a two lap race. Uh, the first lap took me two hours. It was about a 17-mile loop. And probably a mile and a half, two miles into my second lap, I was lapping people. And, uh, you know, they weren't at the hardest point of their lap yet. And sometimes I'll make comments to them, like, it's only uphill from here. <laughs> <They're> just, <laughs> really help them out. <laughs> really help them out. Well, you know, when you look at there's got to be something wrong with the guy like myself that's into doing hard enduros. There's that twisted there's something twisted with you when you see somebody else struggling and you know you're struggling. If you can make yourself seem stronger by just pushing a little harder, it, it just makes it go better for you knowing that you just push them down just by showing strength. Oh, that's nice. Take, taking joy from the pain and suffering of others so is what a, I call that. And I often find myself in that position. So you, f- you put other people down to, to br- build yourself up. That's really good, Nick. We, it's, <laughs> it's, it's really nice. It's to called hear. racing for a reason, buddy. <laughs> it's, called, it's called racing. It's called, it's, it's called smack talking during the race. It's really nice. It, I, uh, no, I, I'm not looking over my shoulder saying, you know, doing the happy Gilmore. Uh, <laughs> you stop. I'm not doing that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's an internal dialogue. I get to giggling when I see people struggle when I can, you know, it, it, it just, you got to build mental momentum. And I, I just, that particular race is one where you can do laps and see the guys that aren't, it might be their first race. I, one of these hard enduros in, uh, in the, just last weekend in Kentucky, it was somebody's first race and they were caught with their bike laid downhill against a tree and they were stuck. And, you know, this, this poor fella, this is my first dirt bike race. I don't think this is for me. And uh, you may you know, be right. He has a cruel buddy. Whoever talked him into that probably is a bad person. You know, <laughs> and that, that's that is kind of a bummer because that guy's like, I'm never going to go racing again because he's going to think they're all like that, you know. And I have a lot of motocross buddies that they want to go ride mo- go ride off road, or in their decent motocrossers. So you, you got to torture them a little bit, right? And I do both, so. They figure, well, I'm, I'm, and you know what? I've found so many times you find these A riders in motocross, local A riders. You get them in the woods, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to ride a motorcycle. It's like they're, like they went to, they're in the C class again. And it's, uh, it's all, I guess it's all what you grew up doing, maybe. But yeah, it's interesting. Um, Nick, we, uh, 
what what's next for you? What do you got? What's cooking? What's going on? Um, I um, I'm getting married in two and a half weeks, and uh, in a week and a half, I got the okay to go up to Canada and do the corduroy three day enduro, which is uh, it's Canadian. It, Canada's uh, toughest enduro. It's not a hard enduro. It's a traditional enduro, but it's indeed supposed to be tough. And it kind of, I think it caps off their national championship. Um, so I've heard a lot about it over the years. I've always been invited, never been able to make it since, you know, I'm kind of winding down for the year. I Heck yeah, let's go. So, and uh, um, kudos to you and congratulations on the nuptials upcoming. Did she give you any stipulations like don't even come home if you break your leg or anything like that? Cause that's a, you're cutting it close to the wire. No, yeah, no, she's, she's pretty cool. I mean, she knows I'm going to do it and she supports it. So, uh, uh, she's just up in the air, whether she's going to come support me or keep her, keep her head in the game to keep things tight for the wedding. <laughs> Big wedding or what? What's that? Big wedding or what are you, what are you thinking? We're, we're keeping it pretty small. I think we've got like 70 people, which it's hard to limit it to just family and, you know, cut down friends. It's, we just, I don't, I don't like to, I don't like to be in the middle of stuff. You know, it's, you can put on your game face at a race and get on a podium and say, okay, that was cool. But a wedding, I just wanted to keep it small. 70 so. doesn't sound small to me. It's, it's a good sized wedding. Well, and I, I had to go out of the country to keep it at about that number. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's easy to get, it goes big, big, quick. Yeah. So you said it's going to be in Mexico and Baja. And I'm like, you, I, perfect. Think, I think you assumed we weren't going to go, but I'm like, Hey, I love Baja. I'm going. So. You like Baja, Nick? Awesome. I actually have never been there. Oh, I'm going in a in, uh, couple weeks. The riding is amazing. It is amazing. Two weeks from today, I'll be arriving in San Diego, and then we'll go. We'll cross the border on on Wednesday, a uh, week from tomorrow, and we go down. To, we'll go ride from Ensenada to Mike Sky Ranch down to San Catine. It's uh, up and down the beaches. It's good stuff. You 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 need to do it. It's really good. I go you know, a couple times a year at least. I've, I've always heard it was, you know, I associate it with like the Baja 500, just like fast, wide open riding. But I've gotten to know some people that talk about how there is some hellacious, gnarly stuff, you know, if you know where to go. Uh, talking to uh, some friends and they're like Chili White, who leads tours and stuff down through there. And yep, apparently it's a must do. <laughs> it's a must do. The bummer is, is the 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 owner of, of Score now is really, really caters to trucks and he's and he's making it less and less motorcycle friendly and it's huh. uh the it's super rough my buddy they've got the 400 going on down there now and 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 everybody's pre-running my and a friend of mine just got back who's going to be down there with us in a couple of weeks and he said it's the roughest he's ever seen it so which you sound you, you say well that sounds great it, it i like it rough but it's uh believe me it's it when he says it's rough it's rough I mean, it's already whooped out, but now you've got big rocks in the middle of whoops and stuff. It's, it's uh, they're going to screw it up, and it'll it'll not be what it is right now. And it'll, I don't think it'll ever be as good as it is right now. So you should make it on, yeah. put it on your list to get down there sooner than later, Nick. I think. Yeah, I guess when you look at how things grow, and you look at the amount of money in four wheel sports, and you look at uh, you know, say guys that you know, GNCC used to be like what an enduro kind of used to be. And then it, you know, now GNCCs are, have gotten really fast and a lot of people fell out of love with them. And 
I hear they've been, you know, trying to make them tougher, but but there seems to be the the trend. Stuff gets blown out and more popular, and they dump more money into more expensive vehicles going around the track. And uh, and you know, come full circle, that's what's going to be tricky about hard enduro is keeping it hard and fresh. Sure. <laughs> Nick, I appreciate you taking the time with us, man. Good luck and congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Good talk to you guys. All right, we've got a in-studio guest, Mark Good, who is the race director of Zero. It's the end of prostate cancer. You got a 5K coming up, and I'm and I'm going to give you an opportunity after we come back from break. But just give us a as we lead into to the uh, the commercial break, talk about it just in brief. What you have going on on September 28th here in Des Moines? We have a 5K, either a 5K run walk. Um, you can have a one mile walk. We got the kids dash for dads. We're going to have all kinds of activities and fun stuff to do for that day. All right. It'll be awesome. Good. All right. So we're going to take a break. On the other side of it, we'll talk more about that with Mark. Stay tuned. This is Pit Pass. We'll be right back. Chris Ulrich, you're listening to Pit Pass Radio. Hey everybody, it's Scott Casper from Pit Pass Radio. V-Rubber offers a whole range of performance motocross and off-road tires, starting with the VRM229 for hard pack supercross settings and the VRM300. It's designed for intermediate soil conditions. The most popular tire is the VRM140. It's designed for soft to intermediate environments. All knob tires are available in the most popular motocross and off-road sizes as well. The VRM308R Trials is the perfect choice for real technical conditions and it's now available in a new force model for racing or recreation riding big four strokes. The newest addition is the V-Line Do-All VRM340, a heavy-duty off-road tire that is DOT approved. Most of the tires are available in the new slow rebound tacky compound for extremely technical environments. It's V-Rubber and the tacky tires, the choice of Sherco off-road. Racers say when using a tacky, it's almost like cheating. It's V-Rubber. Hey, Moto fans, we do our best to keep you in touch with what we're doing through our website, iHeartRadio, Facebook, Twitter, and more. Well, now you can listen to Pit Pass Radio on your handheld device anytime with the all-new Pit Pass app for Android or iPhones. Go to your app store now and download the new app, Pit Pass, at no charge. Yes, we have an app for that. It's the all-new Pit Pass app. Get it today. America's Motor Racing Talk Show, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, comes your way each Sunday morning from 8 to 10, right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. This is 1460 KXNO. If you're passionate about riding motorcycles, both off-road and on, check out the full line of Yamaha Dual Sports at Hicklin Power Sports. The Yamaha TW200 features Yamaha's famous reliability, electric start, an ultra-low seat, and comfortable fat tires, making it one of the industry's simplest to ride motorcycles. The Yamaha XT250 offers the same ultra-dependable, user-friendly performance, but in a more versatile, powerful, and lighter weight package. And for riders who like to take their fun off-road more than on, there's the high-performance enduro-derived Yamaha WR250R, featuring long travel suspension and advanced high-end design. Whatever your budget or riding style, Yamaha has a dual sport model that's right for you. For more, visit YamahaMotorsports.com today. Then visit Hicklin Power Sports and Grimes to see the new 2017 models from Yamaha, the first name in dual sports. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeves, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. Don't wait another minute for that new dream home you've always wanted. I'm Tony Wink for Jack Daly on Construction. 
For 66 years, the De Leon family has been building custom homes, existing home remodeling, and adding on for customers across central Iowa. The De Leons will offer you one-on-one attention that the big builders simply can't. They'll walk you through the process so you'll get the home that you want. Jack works well with your plans or can show you from his library of over 1,200 house plans and make your dreams a reality. Call the De Leons at 515-321-5225. Tell them you heard about them on Pit Pass Radio and receive 5% off the price. Jack De Leon Construction, serving Iowa since 1946. Hey, this is Jeff Aaron, 10-time trials champion, Duro Cross Racer. You're listening to Pit Pass Radio. I want to give a big shout-out to Wiseco Performance Products, carrying a full line of forged pistons, precision forged clutch baskets, clutch hubs, crankshafts, forged connecting rods, valves, and more for just about any motorcycle, ATV, snowmobile, personal watercraft, outboard, marine, and automobile on the planet. For one name, one solution, visit Wiseco.com. So September is... Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. I didn't know that till I got this uh, press release that I'm reading right now. And zero, the Zero Prostate Cancer Run Walk is returning to Des Moines for the fifth year in a row. It's coming up on September 28th. In studio with us to talk about it is the race director for the Des Moines area, Mark Good. Mark, welcome to Pit Pass. Thank you very much. Appreciate the introduction. I appreciate what you're doing for, for uh, prostate cancer awareness. Can you talk to us first about Zero and uh, I know that you, you, off air we were talking, you said there's there's uh, races and, and walks all across the United States. Yeah, I'm still trying to get them to get one in Hawaii, and then I'm going to be the director there. <laughs> we'll see <laughs> how well good. that goes. But uh, yeah, this weekend alone, there's uh, nine races going on uh, all across the country. Um, a lot of them on Saturday, but there's one on Sunday up in Syracuse, New York as well. Think so. you'll make that one? What's that? Think you'll make that one? Uh, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> So we've we've got uh, and you know breast cancer gets tons and I guess maybe it's fun to talk about boobs or something I don't know what it is but breast cancer seems to be the one that everybody talks about right and and you see the pink ribbons and I think it's great and I'm not I'm not downplaying I don't think that it shouldn't have the attention that it's gotten but prostate cancer doesn't maybe it's not as fun to talk about or or what but it doesn't seem to get the attention that that uh, breast cancer does um, so. Prostate cancer is something that affects how many, a lot a, of people. Well, here, here's the thing is uh, for men and for women, the top killer in cancer is lung cancer, either side. Next in each one, breast cancer for women, prostate cancer for men. The number is exactly the same, one in nine. Mm-hmm. For breast cancer, one in nine for prostate cancer is a killer. And so the, 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 the main thing or what I always hear is if you get tested and you get it diagnosed early, you can beat it. Is that right? That is correct. Uh, the one thing with prostate cancer is it's simple to get tested. It's a, it's a blood test like any other. And, um, you know, you get your cholesterol checked. They do a blood test on it, right? Same tube. You don't have to even be stuck twice. So, uh, And then, of course, you do the rectal exam. You have to do that, too. But Yeah, see, uh, that's uh, uh, yeah, that's the guy. The guy's kind of, yeah, he's doing that happen. But, you know, you really have to have both. Um, you know, the, the PSA can be low. Uh, normal is about one, but it rises with age. Um, but it can go up a bit over with age. But you can have a low PSA, two to three, and still have prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you catch it early, you're going to be, at five years, nearly 100% survival. It's 99.97% survival. If you don't catch it early and it gets out of the prostate, your stage three, not stage four, but just stage three, that drops to 26%. So I, I I know PJ, you just turned the big five zero, and and I know you've been requesting the finger for many many years, and they finally <laughs> yeah. will finally get it. they finally caved in. <laughs> Something caved in. 
I, uh, dude, I've got a lot of anxiety about is, I mean, it's 2020 almost. It's almost 2020. Yeah. Is there not a better way than putting a finger in my butt? No, I don't I think mean, there is, I mean, why can't they do something? Don't they have some sort of imagery? They can take a picture or something? Yeah, well, you talk to the insurance companies. Uh, they have imagery, and it's way better than it is now. But it doesn't tell them that that's cancerous either. The, yeah. the you know They have to do the biopsies doc- on material that are removed and things of that nature, right? What's, what's that? Don't they do uh, biopsies on material that's removed? And Well, yeah, that's that's after they suspect that there might be you know, a, a high PSA, then they do the biopsies. Oh, that means they snip something up there. And, <clears throat> ooh, I, I've buddy. had four of those, four sets of those. I had one in... Uh, uh, North here in Fort Dodge. I had two at the Iowa City and then again here in Fort Did in, they put uh, you to sleep for that? Uh, the first one, no, it's a local. The second one I did, uh, they did six the first one. That's just a general general one. Everybody gets that at base. Then they take 12 cores the next time. I was just, I was awake for that one because oh. I had to drive home. Oh. It got tough at the 11th one. Uh, the next time that I had it done, they did 27 and I was out. And yeah. then I had 18, and I was out for that one. So I'm assuming you had prostate cancer, or you did? Not you th- until the maybe? very end. So I had four sets before they found it. It took them two and a half years and four sets of biopsies, 63 total cores before they found my cancer. And, and then I kept you're, adding. And you're good I kept to go going now. at it. What's that? You're good to go now. I'm good to go. I'm five and yeah. a half years clean. Yeah, clean wow. and cancer free. Wow, sober free. So, <laughs> so, uh, so. Talk about the event you got coming up. Uh, how do people get involved? How do they do they how do they do they register there? Do they have to do it online? What's the deal? Do you get a T-shirt? Do you get? I see you got a cape and a yeah, there's all kinds of cool stuff. You know, um, we we have our hair event in Des Moines, but like I said, there's nine races across the U.S. Uh, this weekend alone. We have 48 uh, throughout the series of the whole um, up and through. I think it's uh, November, possibly even. Um, but they go to zerocancer.org. And right there, it's on the left side. Just click run, walk, and type in your zip code, and it's that easy to find a uh, race near your house. And how did, where does the money go? I mean, does it go for I mean, where, where, research, or what is it? Yeah, well, some of that goes to research. Uh, zero is uh, gives back 84 cents to the, 85 cents of the dollar goes back to uh, the foundation, and that which is the highest of any kind of charity like that that does that. Um, we. Uh, um, I, I go to D.C. every year to get more funding for that. You talk mm. about breast cancer, they get $130 million a year. Wow. Prostate cancer is $110 million. We're fighting for that. Um, so women have re- really led the way on, on a lot of that with it, too. They do at my house, too. Yep. Yeah, <clears throat> that's they, the way the paycheck goes. Interestingly enough, though, um, the money comes out of the Department of Defense and uh, the National Institutes of Health. But the money we're talking about oh, is out of the Department of Defense. It is not out of NIH with it. Yeah, it's discretionary funding, so they have to go back every year and decide whether or not they're going to fund those projects for each of us. Wow. So Okay, so September 28th, I know we have a guest on hold. Mike Witowski is going to be joining us. Um, September 28th is the event. It starts at 9 o'clock. Where do they go here in in the Des Moines area for this? So ours, in Des Moines here, it's going to be a principal park. Starts at... they can register online. They can register the day of the packet pickup, which is Thursday. They can register the day of the race. They can do that. But uh, locally, and all the races are, are essentially similar, but we have um, a survivor's uh, tent where the survivors can go to. Guys can just mingle, eat coffees, and uh, eat uh, cookies, donuts, and drink coffee. Um, but we got a kids dash for dads. The kids dress up as their superheroes. That's cool. We have the Iowa League of Heroes that comes out. Uh, we got a dancing taco here in town. Uh, Fuzzy Tacos brings that out. So every, everyone has a little flavor to their own one. 
Um, our race starts. It's a 5K run, 5K walk, a one-mile walk. Um, and the kids will go on the, the walk with the parents. Um, but afterwards, we're going to have free beer. We're going to have free wine. I love free beer. Yeah, best kind. And, and we're going to have breakfast burritos. I, so breakfast. So you're going to drink beer with your breakfast burrito. I <laughs> Absolutely. Love it. That's right up my alley. Yeah, they gave up the yogurt for the good stuff. But, uh, you know, we can't do this without our sponsors. And, and the biggest sponsor we have locally is the Iowa Clinic uh, to help sponsor that. And, um, you know, every every dime counts for all of this that goes back to help men um, find, find a better way to get a better PSA, better imaging. Um, there's three new drugs that have come out uh, since that Zero has funded the research here. Uh, to get more medication for men and metastatic, metastatic prostate cancer. But they're expensive is the problem. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Mark, thank you very much for what you're doing. Thanks for coming in and, and talking to us about it on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. You know, we, we, we have a golf tournament, too, that guys get into. Places do that. A lot of a lot of places do top golf uh, that they have uh, – games there in different towns so there's a lot more to zero in different places that we do we do a, another one here it's kind of fun in the spring we do uh, uh bras beers and boxers so we do it at a local brewery we've done that for three years at the breast cancer group so it kind of brings both groups together so you actually fight the women yeah sort of like that I'd but like we that. gotta say bras Perfect. first to get the guys in the in the deal you know all right so get checked that's that's the key don't be don't fear the finger I'd get in and yeah it's, it's tough but it, it, believe me I've had i'm not there i'm not old enough so i have to worry about it yet, yeah well <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. That's All right. right. So it's uh, w- one more time the website. Website is zerocancer.org and just go to run, walk, and type in your zip code. That's the easiest way to find it no matter where you're at in the country. Okay. Mark, thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Appreciate uh-huh. it. All right. So uh, the GNCC series, Grand National Cross Country, has been on hiatus for quite a while now. And there's a new addition to the schedule. It's in. It's called the Black Sky GNCC. It's at the Johnson Family Farm. And uh, it's about time we go back off-road and talk about it. So uh, on the show, we're going to have Mike Witowski, who's currently in second place in the XC2 250 Pro Class with eight top five finishes so far, including four podiums. And he looks to improve on his last year's uh, overall finish where he finished six. So we bring him on now. Mike Witowski, welcome to Pit Pass. How are you, buddy? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Good. Did I get all that right? Was that what your uh, your second with eight top five finishes? Is that right? Four podiums. Yeah, sounds about right. Well, congratulations. Solid yeah, year. It's been a been a good year for me, and um, yeah, looking to build the last four for sure. What have you been doing over the break? Um, honestly, just kind of hired a new trainer and just kind of got on the right track and try to fix up my mistakes and hopefully the last four um yeah work on those those flaws i had who's your trainer uh his name's coach rob he's uh i don't know if you know him or not rob bean um he used to train ryan ryan Dungey before alden yep we've had rob on the show i've i've visited with rob um, there's no hope for me, he said. So we didn't uh, we didn't have to worry about that. But it was a short interview. <laughs> he, 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 truth, um, yeah. Of course we know Rob. He's uh, he's got a lot of street cred. I think it's uh, so. So when you have a trainer like this, Mike, uh, when when did you bring him on during the break? Um, so like right after um, our last GCC before break. Um, so that next week I brought him on and then, so we've been working together for like the past two months now. 
So just uh, getting um, familiar with each other. And yeah, it's been good so far. So what was the last round? Was it Pennsylvania? Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so, uh, so you bring him on and can you talk about what, what kind of stuff does he, I mean, cause he's, uh, you know, is he, is he more like of the physical side, you know, like the training fitness side of it, or is it a rider coach too? What did he do with you? I'm just curious. Cause you're an off-road yeah. guy. He worked with motocrossers that I didn't know he worked with off-road guys. I only thought of him as a, as a motocross trainer, but maybe it's all the same. Yeah, no, uh, he's been really good. He's a super smart guy. And, uh, I learned quite a bit from him just, just so far. And, uh, yeah, so we got on board and he, um, did a bunch of like body analysis stuff just to learn my, my, um, my body and, um, what it needs and all that stuff. And I just kind of went in with blind faith and I think it's been good so far. And, uh, lately it's just been base training, I guess you could say, and just keeping, uh, uh, the body up to par and not like overtraining. Um, I probably did that in the past and I think with him, he's super smart and he'll look at my, uh, heart rate data on Garmin. And, uh, I think that helps a lot just from overtraining or just kind of saying like for this, uh, weekend, we have a good plan and, um, yeah, I think it's all good. So we have Stu and Caleb and, and all those guys on, and we've talked about this to the point where our listeners are probably bored. So I'm going to bring it up again. The uh, the heart rate that you guys run is like 200 or something insane for over three hours, and it's it's yeah. it's not physically possible to do that. But you guys, but are, everybody in there's doing it. But everybody's doing it. How do you address that? How do you? I don't even know how you get to your heart to to where your heart will go and be able to still push. I mean, it's got to be a tremendous amount of work. And maybe you're not there. I don't know what a what a. Uh, second place XE2 guy, you know, physical fitness is compared to those guys. But I know you're, you're, you're in great. You're in fantastic shape to be where, to be able to accomplish what you have this year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I classify myself as, um, up there with those XE1 guys. I mean, I've, uh, trained with Caleb and all them guys just cycle rides and stuff. And I know I'm on par with them. Um, but yeah, like at the last race, I did some heart rate stuff, and I think my average was 185 and max 190 something. So for three hours, so and it was hot that day. I think that's, I mean, that's pretty tough. I don't, don't matter who you are, how fit you are, um, if you're in that heart rate zone, that's it's hard. Yeah, that's insane. What's your body fat percentage? Do you know? Because it's like we talked. You know, it's it's extremely. And I asked because I had my body scanned yesterday, just because I was curious. I'd lost some weight, and uh, it, uh, it. I'm just curious where you, do you know where you're at? Not BMI, but like how much body fat you have. Um, I want to say 14, percent but I'm not positive as of recent. That was about I want to say two months ago when we did our calculations, which is Muscle and Fitness magazine. Pretty much. I mean, yeah, it, it's that's, uh, that's low. Twelve to fourteen is is pretty awesome. Um, yeah, almost unheard of for. But I guess as a as a professional athlete, um, what are you riding this year? What do you what uh, anything different with your program? Um, yeah, so I'm doing all three series: uh, GNCC, National Enduros, and the Sprint Enduro series that we just finished up 
um, like a week ago. Um, but yeah, just chasing all three of those on the beta um, 250RR at the in GCCs and then the 300 at the Enduros. So the 300 is a two stroke? Yeah, correct. And then same you ride with a. Do you with the 250? Okay, so you're riding the two. Why would you ride the 250 on one and not, or the 300 on one and not the other? Just curious. Um, so I did some testing and I actually like the 300 for the, the tighter Enduro stuff. It kind of has a bottom, um, that good low end for that stuff. It's not as pipey, I guess you could say. Um, we kind of like to call it like the three stroke. You can lug it and ride it like a four stroke in a way. And, uh, so it's good. And that's, that's what everyone says about it, like it or lump it. The guys who don't like it say it's not pipey enough. It's not like my 250. And the guys who love it say it's not very pipey. It's, you know, that is pretty universally how that bike is described. In, I rode my 300. In all the very various brands of it. I've been motocrossing all summer, as you know, PJ, and on my 450. And I decided I wanted to ride off-road. And I went, uh, so there's this place in Iowa, Mike, that... Uh, they have a hill climb there, but it's an old quarry, and it's like a very physical track to ride, and it's it's really good. It's it's really fun. They could do a hard enduro there, I think, um, if okay. they like. And it's and it's our less than two hours from my house, so we went there Sunday and and uh, rode my three hundred, and it just amazes me how they lug those those bikes will just pull you up the hill when you think. Oh, I'm in the wrong gear or whatever. Just yeah, and I wouldn't and even traction's think, terrible. They're awesome when traction's bad. Wouldn't even think about it if I've been riding that bike all summer, but having coming off a 450, and I almost debated putting my 450 in the van before we left. And I, but I took the 300 because I figured I bought it. I'm going to ride it. It, it. They're they're an awesome motorcycle. They're and and I'm yeah. I, I'm on a different brand than you, but still the 300 is just just a neat bike. It just the way it pulls yeah. and, and you can still rev mine up. It's, it's good. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's a definitely a good bike for like the Enduros or, um, extreme Enduros or all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I enjoy the, the beta a lot. I mean, they make a good 300. Have you done any of the e-bike series that's been going on with the GNCCs? Uh, I have not. I, I'll, I'll watch a lot of it. The main reason um, I haven't hopped in with them guys it's just because it's honestly pretty demanding <laughs> right before our race day. So I think it's on Saturday. Um, so you'd be about smoked before the race on Sunday. I rode, I went to Loretta's and raced this year in the plus 40 class and they have, and I have an e-bike and I was the only, I have a KTM e-bike and I was the only one there with a hardtail. I didn't know any different. And I showed up and Charlie kind of laughed at me, you know, Charlie Mullins. He's like, what is that thing? <laughs> and, you know, coming from a factory KTM guy, I was a little bummed to hear him say that. But yeah. uh, I rode that thing. Man, so much fun. And, yes, they work you. But uh, I think, do you have an e-bike? Yeah, I have a giant uh, trans. So do, what do you think of, what's your opinion on those? Do you think they're they're a good Training source, or do you think they're a crutch, or both? Uh, I think I think they're awesome. Honestly, I think uh, like I know the the Baker's dudes like use it for their heart rate zones to kind of keep in it. Um, I mean, I think it's good for us off road guys as well. Like for the GNCCs, well, I mean, you can do like two laps on that thing and you're not tired. Um, you can see the whole track. Um, that's kind of what I use it for mainly. I don't really train on it, but. Um, 
yeah, I think it's a great tool. I don't see anything wrong with them, honestly. Well, speak for yourself on uh, being able to do two laps, not being tired. So, <laughs> I, Back to that uh, heart rate over 200 thing. Yeah. So, uh, Mike, we are, are – uh, I want to wish you luck. In, um, and we're going to skip the commercial break, Jack, when you get the uh, the next guest. We'll just bring him on. But I want to wish you luck at, at the balance of the uh, the season and obviously at Johnson Family Farm this coming weekend. What are your expectations coming into this thing? you got to be pretty stoked having uh, Rob in your corner and, and having a, a summer off where you're coming back and you're lean and mean and, and ready to go. you got to be got to be pretty wound up for it. Yeah, I'm definitely stoked. Uh, I think uh, the last two months or so have been good with Rob and just kind of building. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking for, obviously, a podium. Um, if I don't get on the podium, I think I'd be pretty disappointed. Um, and then the main thing, just the last the last four races this day, um, I think the, the championship is obviously pretty far-fetched. Um, but I know we can stay in that second spot, and that's a, that's a career that would be a career best for myself and I think Beta as well. So um, I think that would be a good goal. And then go into next year um, with the con- the confidence and uh, we can do good things. Are you signed with Beta for next year or is that still up in the air? Uh, it's still up in the air. Um, there's definitely a deal on the table. So just trying to get out everything all worked out. Yeah. Good. Um, so what, what do we have for races left? We have, we have the, the, this weekend and then what is it? There are another three races after that. You got Mount Morris and then that one in West Virginia and then Crawfordsville. Yep. Correct. So it's pretty, pretty simple, I guess, uh, four races. What's your favorite round? Uh, I'd have to say Ironman. Um, that's kind of, I grew up like, I want to say three hours from there. Sure. Um, and it's just, I don't know, my whole family goes, and it's just a good race. I, I did well last year there, and, uh, I mean, a bunch of people go, so I think it's pretty popular on the circuit. Awesome. Mike, good luck, man. We appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, good, good being on. All right. We are going to go to our next guest. Uh, so down in Florida, we had a new, we had a new motocross race uh in the pro in the lucas oil series and it's ww ranch in jacksonville area and it's florida's number one ranked motocross track club 57 is brad jeraminski who is in an illinois guy if my memory serves me right i should know that because i think i saw him racing at some fair races back in the day but now he's his famous uh trainer guy and it's called Club 57. I know a lot of racers that come to my racetrack here in Iowa have been at Club 57. And uh, we had him on a while back. He's moved his his entire operation to WW Ranch, so it's a big deal for him. We had him on, and his phone crapped out. And I wanted to give him an upper, another opportunity to come on and talk about it. So we welcome Brad Jeraminski to the show. Hi, Brad. How are you? Hey, buddy. How are you? Good. How's everything down at WW Ranch? Oh, it's still uh it's still summer down here 95 96 and full sun so we're <laughs> it feels like summer never ended you missed the the hurricane missed you right or did you get some rains oh no we got uh we got about a 16th of an inch we got uh we got extremely lucky that that thing stayed offshore otherwise we would be singing a different tune today yeah ww ranch i didn't go to the the uh i didn't go to the race this year you know, I, I intend. I actually signed a lease today on a house down there for 
for uh, 46 nights. I'm going to be, it's a pretty sweet house too. So I'm uh, pretty excited. I'm going to come down and, and hang out with you boys. Tell me what we're up, what I'm up against and what people, you know, motocross dads that are listening or, or racers that want to join, tell us about Club 57 and, and what it's like now that you're, your amenities now that you're at WW Ranch. Well, it's, uh, you know, the, the program, <clears throat> the program hasn't changed much, uh, Tony, obviously we're, you know, we, we focus on, uh, small numbers, right? So, you know, a full size group for me, a full size program is 12 guys. So in those 12 guys, then I can handle, uh, their fitness. I can handle their bike skills. I can handle motos. You know, I, I kind of oversee, uh, the entire operation that way, you know, I know if they're getting enough rest, I know if they're sore, I know if they're tired. Uh, and it just allows me to kind of, uh, kind of give a, you know, a hands-on approach, uh, to the whole program. So with, with the, you know, with the amenities that I have available at WW, uh, you know, 700 plus acres and mountain bike trails and, you know, off-road loops and everything that we could possibly need or want to keep the training fresh, you know, I have at my disposal. So, you know, that, that's the biggest thing. Uh, that's the biggest change I have is, uh, is just an endless amount of resources available to me. So before, did you move to different tracks here and there? You guys would go ride at Bernie's track, which is, uh, uh, what is this track called? Bostwick. Bostwick Creek. You'd go there. That's where I saw you guys. Would you be at other tracks too sometimes? Yeah. So what I, what I originally did when I was, uh, I was still living up North. You're, you're correct. I'm from Northern Illinois and I would travel, I would travel South in the winters. <clears throat> I would travel South in the winters to kind of escape the, escape the snow. And, uh, when we first started coming down, we, we leased out a facility right from Davy Millsaps. And, uh, it was like his private, uh, private place that he bought from Ezra Lust and it just kind of kept changing hands. So it fell into my lap. And, uh, and, and it was good, right? You know, and I enjoyed that Cairo, uh, Tallahassee area. It's just, it was pretty diluted. You know, there is the best train facilities in the world. Like you could hear Carmichael, uh, Carmichael's farm from the, you know, the close proximity. You could hear him riding from where I was training in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. So, and the weathers were, the weather was a little tricky in the winter. So my wife and I decided let's keep going a little bit further south and, uh, see what, uh, see what's in Florida. And, you know, we just kind of uh, forest gumped our way into it uh, that we wound up, you know, <laughs> we wound accurate. up moving, right? I mean, we wound up moving full time to uh, to St. Augustine. You know, it's a beautiful area that, you know, the kids are happy, they're in school, and now it allowed me to kind of set up camp and utilize WW Ranch and, and really attract that international market uh, that is, you know, that's so uh, so desperately wants to come train here in the States, but it's got to be, it's got to be turnkey, you know, they've got to have all the amenities that are, are, that they don't have at home, uh, to draw them here to the States. So, uh, you figured you'd come this far as well, keep going. Right. Like right. Forest. You're, uh, so <laughs> outside of the 700 acres of mountain bike trails and motor, we know the motocross facilities, you know, second to none. Um, is there a shop? Is there, is there a gym? Is there, is all that there too? Or is it? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, everything is, uh, everything is on site. When I keep saying everything, I'm using it in terms of the tools that I need, right? So all the RV and electric hookups, uh, I've got an indoor and an outdoor gym, you know, so when, when we get out of this, this, uh, you know, horrific, uh, heat, uh, we'll start transitioning the workouts to, you know, a, a shaded, uh, a shaded overhang. 
where I've got another 2,000 square feet to do, you know, outdoor stretching and yoga and, and some things where we can get some fresh air in addition to the indoor gym and, and shop and office. So, you know, it, it, it really is, uh, it really is a, a motocross mecca, not to mention, you know, the close proximity to the beach and, you know, the airport's 20 miles away. So uh, it really is, uh, it really is, uh, you know, a, a tremendous opportunity that I had uh, kind of fall into my lap. Yeah, it sounds like it. And and so the 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 kids that you have coming, and the one old man that's coming this fall <laughs> or this winter, the kids that you have, what what level of rider are they? I mean, are they they're not on eighty fives, are they? They're on big bikes. No, they're on they're on big bikes. But you know, like I like I um, I haven't I haven't advertised my program yet, and. And the reason being is I'm 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 taking more of an organic approach to to marketing this thing. So I want I want word of mouth. I want referrals. I want you know the guys that are there training with me to say, hey, you know I I know so and so that would really like this program. Why don't we bring them down for a for a test drive? And, and that's what we do. So anybody prior to accepting into the program, I'll I'll have them uh, come down for a few days, a week, two weeks, whatever it may be. Uh, so then we can kind of uh, get get to know one another and make sure that we're you know my training philosophy and their skill set work effort work uh, work ethic work ethic is uh, is all on the same level. So you know the guys that I'm training don't aren't necessarily they have to meet a certain lap time, but you know they're all young adults. You know the the, the 16 through 24 year old you know hardworking guys. Um, and that's and that's what I want. You know I I don't care what class they're riding if it's B or A or or transitioning out of sea, as long as they're as long as they're willing to you know to put forth effort to change, put forth effort into uh, their nutrition and their sleep and their uh, their bike skills. And once uh, once we have that, uh, you know, once we kind of have that you know established, then literally sky's the limit. You know, I, I have a I have a philosophy, Tony, that that talent talent is coached. You know, talent is learned. It, it, you're, you're not you're not born with it, right? Like. Um, it's something that, uh, that even Ken Roxon or Chad Reed or whoever, whoever, you know, is at the top of your motocross pedestal, you know, they started out as a beginner, right? They started out the first time on a dirt bike. So, you know, everybody has that, uh, that, that option or ability to, to continue to progress with the right, uh, with the right element. When I was a little kid, I was, you know, I was kind of a hot rod, little team green rider and, and until we quit traveling, I, I was, you know, my folks split and then that was it when I, and I just became a local guy or whatever. But, and, but, it, but I, but I still never quit. I, I worked more, more of like it was my job, but it was more like it was all that mattered. It's all I did was study motocross, train motocross, you know, I mean, I starved myself when I was on 125s and I started to get bigger framed when I was like in my late teens, you know, like I, there was, I worked so hard at it. And I, the thing that always irritated me was people would always say, oh, you're just naturally gifted. You just, you're the most natural writer. And I just, you know, you're just so lucky. I'm not gifted like you. And I'm like, no, I didn't play little league. I didn't, you know, I didn't stick with right. any school sport. All I right. did was ride my motorcycle. And that's and I would watch, 
you know, when the other kids were screwing around in the pits, I was out watching, watching videos the, or the pros. I was out watching the A class and, yeah. and, and studying them and asking them questions and, and swarming them till the point where they were annoyed with me because asking them questions and you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. so I, I get what you're saying. The talent is taught, but it's, it also, it's, it's gotta be within the right. Nothing would be more frustrating. And I used to do like riding coaches for the local kids when I was relevant you know when i was the local a rider and and it was just a means to a paycheck it's all it was but it you know and and nothing would be more rewarding than a kid that would get it and and nothing would be less rewarding than a kid that was there just because his parents brought him and you right you know and i'm glad you brought that up because you know i've been doing this now shoot you know 20 plus years right and and there is no there really is no set curriculum to, to become a motocross trainer. You just one day say, you know, Hey, I, I, I'm a motocross trainer. Not that I agree with that necessarily, but that's just the way the, in, the industry is, right? If you could, if you can ride a dirt bike fast and everyone assumes that you can, you can coach and you can train. And, and for some regards that, that is true, but I learned more. I learned more from the classes that I screwed up <laughs> than I did the ones that I did well, meaning, you know, the, the kids that, that didn't get what I was trying to convey and, and really didn't understand uh, the techniques that I was trying to, to you know, emulate to them. Uh, and, and those are the ones that I kind of sat back and said, okay, you know, where, where did I go wrong? What can I do better? So I, I'm, a, I'm a culmination of, of, <laughs> of mistakes, right? But that's what motocross is. It's learning from, from what you did wrong the previous race, the previous lap, and making adjustment and improving. Right. So I, I, I tell my guys, you know, all, all the time, don't, don't do this because I say, you know, do this because it works. And, and when we use things like today, for instance, Tony, we were doing, uh, we were doing corner entry speed drills. And, and when you come down, you're going to enjoy this. So when, when I talk to him, I say, okay, you know, what's our goal here, here we are. And then everyone's like, okay, I want to get faster. And I say, well, how much faster, you know, let's put a number on it. So I use a radar gun to determine how oh. fast they're actually entering the corner. So I can't wait. When, right. So <laughs> yeah. you look at it. Take guesswork out. Little Johnny, you're you're 22 miles an hour right now. What's it going to take for you to give me 24? And it's always, always, always less brake. It's never done with the throttle. So when you start adding, you know, you start putting numbers next to a technique and next to uh, their ability, you know, it, it goes... It, it, it takes off like a rocket ship because they're not riding out of feeling. They're riding with data. Brad, I hate to cut you off again, but we're out of time. Uh, sure. In in five seconds, how can people uh, get a hold of Club 57? Club57MX.com or Instagram at Club57MX. All right. Pretty appreciate that. We're going to take a uh, time out, and then we have one more hour of Pit Pass. Stay tuned. There's more. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's Scott Casper from Pit Pass Radio. V-Rubber offers a whole range of performance motocross and off-road tires, starting with the VRM229 for hard pack supercross settings and the VRM300. It's designed for intermediate soil conditions. The most popular tire is the VRM140. It's designed for soft to intermediate environments. All knob tires are available in the most popular motocross and off-road sizes as well. The VRM308R Trials is the perfect choice for real technical conditions, and it's now available in a new four-stroke model for racing or recreation riding big four strokes the newest addition is the v-line do all vrm 340 a heavy duty off-road 
tire that is DOT approved. Most of the tires are available in the new slow rebound tacky compound for extremely technical environments. It's V-Rubber and the tacky tires, the choice of Sherco Off-Road. Racers say when using a tacky, it's almost like cheating. It's V-Rubber. Radio, America's weekly motorcycle talk show. I got me a date with some of the motocrosses up around the way. Your source for weekly updates on what's happening in the world of motorcycle racing. You know how fast you're going? Industry news, trends, the people involved. I'm Ricky Carmichael. This is Kevin Schwartz. This is Josh Timoth. This is Kelly Smith. This is Travis Latron. This is Jeremy McGrath. And now, Pit Pass Radio. All right, welcome back to the show. I want to thank our hour number one guest, Nick Faringer, was on, Mike Witowski, Brad Jeraminski, and we had our in-studio guest, Mark Good who's the race director for Zero Prostate Cancer, which is coming up September 28th. It's actually a nationwide thing, so if you're not listening in our our uh, back backyard here in the Des Moines area, uh, there's there's look up Zero Prostate Cancer. There's a there's a ton of uh, zerocancer.org. There's there's a ton of 5Ks that they have nationwide. Not one in Hawaii yet, so there's no reason to go there, but um, there's one in New York, I know. There's plenty of reasons to go to Hawaii, sir. You know what? I think... When I can take my shirt off and not be embarrassed in public, I'm going to Oahu. You're going to have a lot of fun out there in the water. It's going to be good. All right. Uh, hour number two is upon us. Bobby Fong is going to join us, who is uh, currently leading the championship standings in the Super Sport in Moto America and um, the Worm. I text Ed and I said, get Larry on because he, uh, he is still amazingly fast. So he joins us now, Larry Pagram. What's up, Larry? How are you? much. How you guys doing? Good. You uh, you a fly tracker? Uh, I guess so. I was the other night, at least in the semi. Yeah. Talk about it. That's cool, dude. Yeah. That I, uh, you know, I've done a handful of those things this year. Actually, I think I've done eight or nine of them. I was supposed to be one, and then Indian got me a bike at the first race, and I talked David Lloyd from the Lloyd Brothers into helping me out in Daytona and John Cornwell, and you bet. started doing a couple of races, and it turned into doing a bunch of them, and we we've had some pretty good success. I think we've we've had a top five, a bunch of top tens, and started on the front row, and even led a couple races, uh, very short but uh, uh, lead. But we got out front, so it was cool. And then at the uh, the race Saturday night in Mechanicsburg, which I won that race twenty five years ago when I was there. Wow! Uh, I won. Yeah, I won the semi. Started on the, uh, up front for the main, so it was cool. I got to beat Jared Meese, which made me happy because I could then give him, uh, I won't say a cuss word, but I could give him crap the rest of the night. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so it was cool because he's, he's uh, me and him like to give each other a good ration. 
Yeah, that's uh, awesome, Larry. You're, and kudos to you for being out there 25 years later. Who would have thought? I mean, uh, does it does it make you feel old? I mean, clearly you're you're still getting after it when you're winning semis because you are old. Well, I know I'm old. I turned 47 on the fifth of this month. <laughs> that's so. awesome, dude. But I, um, you know, I feel like physically I'm still in pretty good shape. You know, I'm not as I'm not able to train enough. If I could train enough, I'm just too busy working. If I could train enough, I would actually be in really good shape. I think I'd be a little bit better. But part of it is I'm not mentally there, um, just because I'm not racing full time. That's not how I make my living. That's not all I think of. That's not what I, you know, I don't eat, breathe, and sleep it now, which I'd never thought in my life I would not, but I really enjoy myself when I get to go do these races, and I just, we started out to do it as fun, then we started getting a little better, so it got a little more serious, but, you know, everybody at Indian, Gary Gray, and then S&S, Dean Young, and, and uh, Paul Langley from S&S helped us out, the guys at Zanotti Racing, Dave Zanotti, and, and uh, Michelle DeSalvo, who's Actually, Briar Bauman's mechanic, she's been helping us out. Jared Meese has been helping me and his mechanic, Kenny Tolbert. I mean, everybody's been chipping in a little bit, and and especially David Lloyd and, and John Cornwell. So we've just been having a ball, and I think sometimes we surprise them guys a little bit, which is cool. You know, we like I said, we've won two semis this year, so we've we've started up front twice and showed them we got the speed, maybe just not the endurance with this old guy. <laughs> well, Larry, that's it is an amazing feat, and it – just reminds me what you'd said uh, as far as you know you're enjoying it it isn't how you're making your uh your your dinner money for sure there's a lot of racers not only in flat track but in road racing that we get to see uh you know i i think it's a fortunate time for a guy like you and uh, it sounds like you feel the same you know there's you have the ability to be out there competitively uh, we see it in road racing occasionally. Guys like Rap come to mind. Um, Jeff May. There's a few others, yourself included. If uh, on the right day, Josh Hayes is still absolutely a fast guy. There's there's a number of guys who occasionally we get to see. And as a fan, it makes the event all the better. As far as I'm concerned, is the AF, is the AFT doing stuff with you? Uh, you know to to highlight that kind of stuff, or is it uh, just you're another racer? As far as they're concerned. Yeah, I've been pretty much just another racer. I, um, that race, for sure, at, at Mechanicsburg, or uh, I think it's called Williams Grove now. It used to be Mechanicsburg. But it was pretty neat, to be honest with you. Um, the crowd was really enthused. They had, a, they had a, a basic sellout crowd. They had a huge crowd, and they, you know, I don't know if you've been to an AFT event, but there's not many dudes under 40 at it. So No, there are not, and hero, I am there. For sure. There was a lot of people that were really excited. I actually won the semi and got a standing ovation from the crowd for the semi, so it was pretty neat because I could actually feel, you know, that I was giving those guys something to really root for. So it was pretty neat. A lot of people came down in the pits and talked to me, so it was a really neat night. My dad went with us over there and i know he really enjoyed it and uh yeah it was a neat night i wish i could have done a little better in the main event i got i got a i got a killer start in the semi and i got a terrible start in the main and got roughed up in the first corner and was pretty far back and ended up ninth so it wasn't a great complete great evening but you know we showed we had some speed and and we were there that 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 series to be honest with you too is so competitive i mean i i, I was ninth and there was three guys behind me that won races this year you know i mean it's really the racing there's no doubt that the race and i and i'm glad we have a little time and jack i'm i'm before you call our next guest i want to run along with i may want to run along with larry just so you know let our next guest if you would 
uh, Bobby Fong. Let him know we might run a little late with Larry because I have a lot to cover with you, Worm. Um, and here's an email that we got today, and it wasn't intended to, so I'm not going to say who it was from, but it wasn't intended to be read on the air, but I'm going to read just part of it. Um, hey, it's been a while since I sent an email. I still listen. Uh, I'm worried about Moto America series. Glad to see it on TV, but I'm not sure attendance is up that much. Um, when I go, I see old guys like me or older, not enough young kids. I bring my college daughter to, to Barber, who, whom I used to bring when they were three to six at Road America. Take care. And, and so that's, that's Moto America, different series, but this, the, it resonates through all motorcycle fans, I believe, with the exception of maybe Supercross, but I don't think those guys are participants in a lot of cases. I think they go to the the you know the the, the monster trucks too, yeah, or whatever. It's definitely it's definitely a dilemma right now, and I see it too. And we were talking about it Saturday night at the flat track. It's it's an aging crowd, and I don't know that it's not that we're not doing a. We're, it's not that we can't entertain a younger crowd some reason they're just not interested in live entertainment almost you know i mean these 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 devices and this world is changing and you know i I think we all probably agree maybe not for the better in a lot of ways so i don't know how we enthuse this younger generation to live their life in a outdoors in the real world outdoors in the real world yeah gosh it's so amazing to me that these kids their real world is basically based in that phone it's not that that's their reality and it's so hard to understand for people that are our age because we grew up differently but man i don't know how we get a younger generation interested in motorcycle racing uh, of all kinds i mean i see all sports going that way you know i i think we we see it with nascar too their numbers are down with car racing I don't know that we see it worldwide, but we definitely see it in the U.S. I watched the Moto America series at, at New Jersey, and I, you know, I love those guys. I mean, that's that was my life, and it, it kills me to see that stands at New Jersey. That we used to sell that place out; it was packed, and and yeah. even the World Superbike race. I watched the World Superbike race from Portimao, and I mean, they never do great at Portimao, but it was embarrassing for to to look in the stands at that race. You know, I mean, these are the best guys in the world on a superbike. And I don't know. I don't know what we do, but you know, obviously MotoGP is doing pretty well. But you got a guy like me in that series. As far as age is going, when he steps out, they may they may have a big problem there too. So I don't know what we do, but it's it's. I don't know that it's specific to one series. I think it's motorcycle racing and really extreme sports like that with motorsports in general. And we we hear the same across all disciplines. It's uh, racers are are. Uh, Sadly, uh, it seems perhaps a, a dying breed. And I was going to ask you, Larry. I mean, AFT, if anything, I would say is is really a series that has energy right now, or so it seems from the outside. And most of the the racers we're talking to are are mirroring that, or or saying, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's on the upswing, and we've seen an absolute resurgence of road racers, as we all know. Not just yourself, a whole bunch of them this season who when there's not a conflict and they have the ability, they're out there taking advantage of uh, the AFT series. Yeah. And I assume but, that's and, because and it's... That, that's a survival thing. You yeah. know what I mean? As much as it is, they, everybody, I think everybody that rides dirt track loves it. It's so much fun. But it's a survival thing for those guys. They see that there's money now to be made racing flat track. There's factory rides out there. There's people getting paid to ride. And that's going away in the in the throw your hat in the ring. So, yeah, they got they've got a. They, 
there's nothing better in life now that I'm older and I and I'm I'm kind of working for a living, you know, uh, running a business. There's nothing better in life than being a professional motorcycle racer. <laughs> it is the greatest way to make a living there is in the world and I did it for a long time and 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 uh boy it's getting harder and harder to do that. Yeah, and I I think you're right. AFT is as given uh pros with the the ability uh another avenue at least if not uh to have a season long uh paycheck at least go out and make a make some race money. <laughs> which is worth doing, and again, to your point, put their hat in the ring. Yeah. It's yeah. not. Yeah, I think. It, Go ahead. It's not just motorcycle racing. It's not just NASCAR. It's outdoors. It's hunting. It's camping. It's fishing. They're all, all those segments are, are, are down in with youth. And it's, uh, you know, when, in two th- and it's something that, you know, if you have a dad that, and it could be a mom, but whatever. If you have parents that are really into outdoors and they're outdoorsy people, you've got a, a higher chance of having a kid that's outdoorsy, right? If that's how, yeah. you know, you got where I live, it's a lot of rednecks and they, they go hunting and fishing and whatever. And, and they end up being in their early twenties drinking bush light. Cause that's what their parent, you know, and they, <laughs> then they're just cooters and that's what they do. And, yeah. uh, and whatever, I don't, you know, I'm not judging. I'm just saying that's the reality of if you, but, but the thing is, is we have all the electronic stuff and it's a lot easier to hand your kid my phone than it is to, to work with her on stuff. And if you're, exactly. and we're busy. I think a lot of it is us being as parents, we've become just as lazy as what we accuse our kids of. Yes. We've allowed that phone to entertain and educate them, and we got to force them to get a little mad at us and go, listen, you're going to go to the race with me this weekend. Yes. They may just enjoy it. You know, my my parents take my daughters. My daughters now are 14 and 10. My parents take them camping every year, and they make them go with them. And they used to love it, and they go canoeing, and they do all this stuff. And when they take them, they're not allowed to have their phones. And they absolutely think the world is coming to an end. But about the second day of this thing, they're having more fun than they've had in the whole year. So yeah, they, that's awesome. They won't admit it to you, but they really do. And I think as parents, we got to do it. I mean, our kids get really mad and tell us we're the worst parents in the world, but we've got to do something. we got to force them to, to do activities maybe that they don't want to do. And then when they turn 18, if they still want to live without all that stuff, I guess we've instilled it. But I think we gotta we got to do that as parents. I, I think that's the only way to save this next generation or at least teach them hey you can do something other than that but i don't know i think i think we're all pretty worried we're probably like every other generation before as we said that these kids are so dumb they're never going to make it <laughs> yes this all rings true of uh, things i've heard my <laughs> grandfather and my father say for sure it's a different thing in in this generation but the sentiment's the same and life does carry on it's sad that uh if it's going to mean the the ultimate demise of What's clearly our passion here at Pit Pass, yours as well, lifetime of uh, passion in the sport, uh, Larry. You know, it's it it does bring bring a little tear to everyone's eye, but it, there's a lot of really bright people working on the solution. So let's talk more specifically about about Moto America series. So I I, uh, I run a, an event in Davenport. It's a vintage half mile, vintage motorcycles, vintage racers too. In most cases. Um, and I, Larry, I worked with, and it's just, it's the Friday of Labor Day weekend. So it was just a week ago or, or a week and a half, whatever. And I, so I, I worked with, uh, Chris Carr. He came and raced the Boltacos, which you should be on a Boltaco next year. If you're interested, 
let me know because it's fantastic racing and it's on a true half mile big half mile it's a fast half mile um so so uh chris came and we talked about it and 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 it was important as important for him for me to have him look at the event and see what he where he thought i could improve the event as it was to watch him race and get beat by davy durrell right Right. So, and, and it was an awesome race, man. But it, it was, so I, I was talking to him and I, and I was talking to him the week after we, we talked on the phone several times and, and the marketing efforts that I, I have available to me very easily money well spent on my motocross track is digital. It's Facebook, Instagram, that sort of thing. However, um, this Davenport thing, it's three hours from my house. I don't necessarily have a lot of vintage flat track guys in my Facebook. I do some or in my Instagram because them guys ain't on it. That, that's not, I mean, some of them are, but for the most part, the fans, and, the, and I don't have any problem getting the racers there because the race is 31 years old and the guys that are doing it, they love it and they're coming back next year. The But the fans, you know, to get 3,000 fans, it's it's a chore. It's a chore to get that done because you can't run digital. So you actually have to have a flyer in your hands, in these people's hands. And how do you do it? And nice I, glossy poster. Yeah. So it's a real challenge for me to figure out where I, and if I go to spend local radio, local TV over there, it it's not going to draw people because young people aren't interested in racing. Like, and I don't want to reinvent I'm not trying to reinvent or, or, or I'm just trying to keep my event alive and successful and profitable. Right. So right. I see AFT has some of the same challenges. I see they do a lot and I see it's on TV. Now we can watch it on our, on our device. It's uh it's fantastic. And the racing I believe has never been better. I really think that there's, I don't know that the depth is, is there like it was 20 years ago, but it's certainly there are some, they are just as good and for different reasons. The racers that are the, the Jared Mises and, and all those guys that are, that are, that are racing around there at the, in that series. Um, so the racing's fantastic. There's, there's no holes in the program, in my opinion, uh, from a fan standpoint, other than there's not enough butts in the seat. So AFT has, has come up with, with uh you know michael Locke and, and crew they're working very hard to bring a different younger demographic without pissing off all the old guys right or at least that yeah. seems to be what they're trying to do but in larry pagram in your opinion what is it that what's the magic if there is one what's the magic bullet for aft to make that series bring it to the level and then i want to talk about the 16 rider program that they the three different tiers that Michael Locke was on the show a week or two ago and talked about, but uh, what do you think AFT needs to do to 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 for that series to see the potential that it should see as good as it as the riders are and as well as the program is ran? You know, it's uh, I, I think you know we used to always think we knew. <laughs> I used to always say, well, if we could just get it on TV, because I used to think mild dirt track racing was the most exciting show you'd ever seen. If you watched that Springfield Mile last Sunday, I mean, would they have, you know, 70 lead changes in 25 laps with 10 guys? I think the top 10 guys came across the line within six tenths of a second. Well, Sunday was rained out. You either mean Saturday oh, Monday, or Monday. Monday, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, 
But then I sat there and I said to myself, okay, it's been going on for this many years. It's made it on TV. Maybe it's just us. <laughs> Maybe we just like it more than we think every and everybody else should. So I don't know sometimes. But I do know for the livelihood of this thing to continue, we got to figure out some way to engage some younger people. And I have no idea how to do that. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have a 14-year-old daughter and... I think everybody that has a 14-year-old daughter would probably say the same thing. I have no idea how to engage a 14-year-old person on this planet right now. So I, I'm I'm at a loss. I know it's the greatest thing I have ever seen when I watch good racing. But I don't know that it, it translates right now to the people that are coming up. I think, you're, I think we have a set of challenges there. And it's, um, yeah, I'm... Um, I don't know. I it's, wish I could tell you what I think, but I, what I think is it's it's awesome. Why doesn't everybody want to watch it? <laughs> yeah, I can't tell you that. I don't understand that. You know, I mean, when I'm sitting at home on a Saturday or Sunday, if I'm not doing something, all I'm doing is watching different kinds of racing on TV. That's all I do the whole day, each day, because that's what I want to watch. But uh, I don't know how how we translate that. I know, um, I know guys like Wayne Rainey. And, and and those guys in Moto America are doing a great job. I know Michael Locke and his group, I think, are doing a great job. But I still don't know that I see – I don't. If, you know, if I was a betting man, I don't know if I'd put money on it. I just don't know. Growing up around – so the commonality, the, the thing that I always think of when we have this discussion and usually right after it's over is what I have in common with Tony and I think most motorcyclists, not every single one, but we grew up with motorcycles. My dad had motorcycles. I was riding them as a kid, you know, just even as a passenger before you had your first mini bike. You got to ride around on them. And I mean, I still ride motorcycles, but I don't have kids. Tony, you're riding motorcycles. Your daughter's going to get it. She's riding. She's got a little Stasic and she, yeah. uh, and, because of her mom, she's not as engaged in motorcycles as I am. Because when I say, hey, let's, it's, she looks at her mom and her mom doesn't want to go ride the 110 in around the yard or whatever. So then it turns into, we don't, you know, I do and they don't or whatever. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, and I, we've, we've addressed it and we've, you know, we're talking about making sure that it isn't about, being on a handheld device, whatever. But I also think the motorcycle industry, even though it's it's saving a lot of dealerships and manufacturers, it's create the segment that they created with side by sides has absolutely killed motorcycles because you can buy one side by side, put the whole family service in the it, whole family, service right. the whole family, go out and cruising in the desert or or on the trail or whatever, and that kid's in the back seat with their phone, insta paging or whatever <laughs> while they're in the back you're snapchatting so right. yep. and they're not engaged and they're not riding motorcycles and side by sides even though i own a couple of them suck because yeah. Yeah. They're, they're a tool as far as i'm concerned or something to not you know to help me not kill myself in the winter time when i can't go ride my motorcycle because i have one with a heater and a can they're handy handy for plowing yeah you know well, what i mean so but, it's but when you look when you look at it guys i mean regardless of what we do 20 years from now do you honestly think there'll be motorcycles on the street? Yeah, I, I, the, the argument I, can easily be made. No, 
There, I mean, there's a really good chance there won't, you won't be permitted to ride your motorcycle on the street 20 years from now, probably 10 years from now. Uh, I think, uh, I bet you they go away. For, production would end first, I think, Larry. I get where you're going. I think production but ends first. Autonomous cars, I mean, what's going to happen within the next 10 to 15 years, you won't be allowed to drive your car. It'll I, all be autonomous. And the people who have a Mustang, a 69 Mustang, are going to get in a wreck. And they're going to say, that guy killed somebody because he wasn't driving an autonomous car. And they're going to outlaw them. And then guess what's next? Motor- motorcycles are right there. No, I'm 100% yeah. with you. I think once yeah. once autonomous takes over... Uh, what does that word even mean? The self-driving I mean, you cars. You don't have to drive. You don't drive. Self-driving. And they've you already got them. They're, they're already yeah, out there. They're out there. My buddy, who's a, uh, a guy that used to own MDK Motorsports, Mark Kavami, who oh, yeah. had a Supercross team years ago. Great guy. Very uh, affluent venture capitalist guy. I mean, he says my 10-year-old daughter will probably never drive. That's how quick it's coming. And I, you know, he, he's kind of a tech, tech venture guy. So he says that within 10 years, nobody will be driving. Ah, come on. I think there's going to be a place for, uh, much like we see right now, the vintage. Ten years? It'll be vintage. You know, you'll have collectors. These, I, these vehicles are aren't get... going away. But you're, you're right, Larry. If the if the government steps in and says you can't drive them, that can't go worldwide, though. I mean, we're one of the few places in the world Hold that up. has Hold the up. roads for this. Hold up. So you're, people are not going to stop building houses. They're not going to stop. So you're going to need to get the excavator to dig the basement. And the materials to there, so you're telling me that they're going all the all the semis that are all on the road. The, yeah, oh they're, yeah, they're all going to be autonomous semis. Semis are, are going to be the first one that they force to do it. Nah, I don't think so, Larry. Well, I think you're full of beans, I didn't think brother. So either he thought he 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 showed me some other things and said you didn't think this was going to happen when we predicted this ten years ago and we invested in it. So that guy's smart. I have met him, and he is yeah. extremely s- s- way smarter than me. But, well, and, and what we see in our country right now is as soon as something they think is dangerous, they outlaw it. So when, when, when they start having wrecks with these autonomous cars because people are driving and they, they deem it the person's fault that's actually driving and not the autonomous car, they'll say, well, nobody's allowed to drive because you might kill somebody. So, <laughs> yeah, it is know, the way the government tends to work. Yeah, yeah. You know. Wild. All right, well, that was... Uh... I got the up, the uplifting we end got, of we our. Got really <laughs> yeah, we did. Talk about motorcycle. Let's go ride some wheelies and <laughs> flush that out of our system. Go do a couple burnouts all the way down uh, the road here, Tony. So, uh, so we're we're about a, we're actually six minutes past uh, Larry's allotted time, but I do want to ask you. You said you're you're working for a living. What's your business? Lawn care. Uh, uh, well, I am. I am. Uh, I own a company called Pure Ohio Wellness here in Ohio. We are the one of the 12 uh, medical marijuana cultivation facilities in the state of Ohio that got licenses. So I'm now a pot grower. <laughs> Cheers to you, sir. That's going to be the growth I industry. In my whole life. I never thought that would be a thing, but I'm actually a big advocate of it now, and not just because I own it. It's, it's definitely a great uh, a medicinal thing, and we could talk for hours about that. I won't get into it, but it's, it's – uh, it's opened my eyes to a lot of different things about the government, for instance. But we, we could we could talk for hours on that kind of stuff. So worms growing the dope, huh? <laughs> Cheers to you, sir. We've got, a, we've got CBD sponsors in uh, in various forms of motorsport, so that's coming yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. I think you're going to see that CBD and 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 cannabis in everything in the future. You know, there's a lot of medicinal uh, properties to it, and uh, yeah. 
So I'm excited to be in the industry. It's it's a pretty neat industry. It's a very passionate group of people, which is similar to motorcycle racing. You know, they're they're passionate about what they do. They're not this. It's not a warehouse that you're. You know, it's not a Walmart warehouse where everybody's just doing their nine to five. It's a pretty neat industry too, and and uh, a lot of the uh, the passion kind of from my racing carries into that, and that's why we become pretty successful pretty quickly. Huh. Interesting. Well, so not lawn care. No, not lawn care. Not yet. Kind of. We're kind of. Grass. We're just not mowing it. <laughs> <laughs> how do you, right on. How do you harvest that? I mean, you just have a bunch of dudes in there clipping and and bagging it, and hopefully they don't put it in their pocket, or, or maybe you, you let know, them. Yeah, it's pretty regulated in Ohio. It's not like California or Colorado or something like that. They only gave out 12 uh, licenses for it, and it's it's very regulated. And we have we have some automation with machines on the trimming, but we have a lot of people work for us. I've got over over fifty employees now, so wow. it's pretty neat. Wow, pretty cool, Larry. Yeah. What's next for you for racing? Uh, nothing for a little while. I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna go do the Phillip Island Classic again. Cool. This winter, I'm done doing the. There's two more dirt tracks, but I'm not doing the last two. I told the wife I wouldn't do the mile races, so I've been doing some of the half miles and TTs and short tracks, and uh, and so I'm gonna do that Phillip Island Classic again, and uh, probably do some dirt tracks again next year if Michael Locke will let me. You know. Yeah. Phillip Island Classic. That is the road race one. Or is yeah, that it's a, it, they do that in January? It's a vintage weekend. He did it yep. last year. They, yeah, he did yeah, it last year. Really cool. You and Hayes and May, right? Yeah. Was it May? Yeah, and we got we got beat by the Australian team, so we're going back this year to kick their butts. Let's hear about that when it happens. Yeah, Jeff May got a little nicked up over there, didn't he? Yeah, he. Oh, no, it was um, or Young, uh, Jason Pridmore. Oh, it was Jason Pridmore. Pridmore. That's did. it. Yeah, he got high-sided and broke his leg, and it was really unfortunate because he was kind of our captain on that whole deal. He put the whole deal kind of together, and a guy named David Crusell, who who does a great job, and Kerry Andrews was over there. There was a bunch of old racers, but it was really cool. There was a bunch of champions there and some cool – I mean, it was supposed to be vintage, but these were full-work spikes. It was pretty cool. We were two seconds, I think, off the, the – uh, or three seconds off the superbike times from the year before. <laughs> Larry, we went we went ten minutes past, but I I didn't I didn't get to ask you about um, the sixty the program with you brought it up with Michael Locke. I, I, do, you, do you yes or no? I do I, you do you agree we, with we that? We don't have enough time. We don't have enough time to talk about it. So you don't want to talk <laughs> about it? Okay. I'm gonna give a no comment on it right now, and we'll see how it goes. Right. Fair enough. All right. It's All fun right. having you on, Larry. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Okay, that's Larry Pegram. We're going to take a break. I want to give a big shout-out to um, Racetech Science of Suspension. For nearly 30 years, Racetech has been producing the highest quality suspension components and tools, including gold valves for most types of motorcycles and ATVs. You can visit their website at Racetech.com. We'll be right back. This is Pit Pass. Hey, this is Jeremy McGrath, and you're listening to Pit Pass Moto Racing Weekly. Hey everybody, it's Scott Casper from Pit Pass Radio. V-Rubber offers a whole range of performance motocross and off-road tires, starting with the VRM229 for hard pack supercross settings and the VRM300. It's designed for intermediate soil conditions. The most popular tire is the VRM140. It's designed for soft to intermediate environments. All knob tires are available in the most popular motocross and off-road sizes as well. The VRM308R Trials is the perfect choice for real technical conditions and it's now available in a new force model for racing or recreation riding big four strokes. The newest addition is the V-Line Do-All VRM 340. 
a heavy-duty off-road tire that is DOT approved. Most of the tires are available in the new Slow Rebound Tacky Compound for extremely technical environments. It's V-Rubber and the Tacky Tires, the choice of Sherco Off-Road. Racers say when using a Tacky, it's almost like cheating. It's V-Rubber. No speed limits, no tickets, and no left-turning minivans. Track Addicts Track Days allows you to experience the performance of your sport bike in a safe and fun environment. Track Addicts Track Days offers a variety of programs, ranging from their new rider school to their advanced group sessions for experienced track riders. Get all the details at trackaddicts.com. That's track, A-D-D-I-X.com. Or call Ducati Omaha at 402-408-4400. Learn to ride your sport bike the way it was meant to be ridden with track addicts track dates it's a fact the best you've ridden is the best you know until you've ridden race tech suspension you haven't experienced the best suspension possible race tech is the science of suspension for atv and utvs motocross freestyle and stunning off-road supermoto road race sport bikes cruisers touring and vintage bikes as well as adventure riding with gold valve kits to upgrade your stock forks and shocks and our g3s custom series shocks you too can have the Racetech suspension advantage, and it's all made in the USA. For more information about Racetech products and applications, visit our website at Racetech.com. America's Motor Racing Talk Show, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, comes your way each Sunday morning from 8 to 10 right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. 1460 KXNO. The Yamaha YZF R3 Sport Bike at Hicklin Power Sports and Grimes is the most exciting and affordable way ever to join the exclusive world of Yamaha R Series Superbike Performance. It features a potent fuel injected 321cc liquid cooled parallel twin engine for great acceleration, a slim, lightweight chassis for sporty, agile handling, a low seat height to get both your feet firmly on the ground for added confidence, plus legendary Yamaha Superbike styling guaranteed to turn heads, all at a super value. No wonder Cycle World calls it a bargain, and Revzilla hails it the new king of the hill when it comes to entry-level lightweight sport bikes. Visit Hicklin Power Sports in Grimes today to see the incredible Yamaha R3. And for more information, visit YamahaMotorsports.com. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeve shirt, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. Don't wait another minute for that new dream home you've always wanted. I'm Tony Wink for Jack Daly on Construction. For 66 years, the De Leon family has been building custom homes, existing home remodeling, and adding on for customers across central Iowa. The De Leons will offer you one-on-one -on -one attention that the big builders simply can't. They'll walk you through the process so you'll get the home that you want. Jack works well with your plans or can show you from his library of over 1,200 house plans. He'll make your dreams a reality. Call the De Leons at 515-321-5225. Tell them you heard about them on Pit Pass Radio and receive 5% off the price. Jack De Leon Construction, serving Iowa since 1946. Hey, uh, this is Roger DeCosta, uh, team manager for Red Bull KTM, and uh, you guys uh, better listen, listen to Pit Pass. That's right. Thank you, Roger. Welcome back to the second hour of Pit Pass. Pit Pass Moto is an evergreen podcast production. Evergreenpodcast.com hosts a diverse and dynamically curated blend of creative shows featuring a wide range of lifestyle and niche programming. Our network features a myriad of entertaining shows rooted in high creative values and production quality. That's Evergreen Podcast Productions. And uh, again, welcome back to the second hour. Our, our next guest this hour, after we just got done speaking with uh, the worm, Larry Pegram, Next up is uh, Moto America superstar racer, Mr. Bobby Fong of the M4 X-Star Suzuki team. How you doing, Bobby? Hey, guys. How are you? 
Good, buddy. Is uh, everything going okay over there? Yeah, yeah. Just uh, finishing up some dinner here and uh, got back from the gym not long ago trying to uh, get more recovered for uh, Barber here in a week and a half. Yeah, you had a rather nasty crash in race one at Pittsburgh. Any? Did you sustain any additional injuries or... or and uh, how'd you put that behind you to put in such a solid race in race two? Um, are we talking about Pittsburgh or are we talking about um, New Jersey? I think it, he's talking about Jersey. Was it Bob, Jersey? Bobby did two. You went double-double, right? You went second place in both races, right? Right down to the wire yeah, with yeah, yeah. Uh, with Mr. Jacobson. My bad. No, yeah. So, I, um, I, yeah, I, I crashed in qualifying on, like, the second lap right on my face. Didn't even... Didn't even hit my body first. Just went straight to my face. Sweet, and, uh, that's the best kind of it crash. Was like, it was new. It was like a new tire, new tire thing, and I just kind of went in too hard. Didn't really give the t- the tires a chance to really break in. Just kind of going for it a little too early, and uh, ended up ruining my qualifying. So I had to qualify on uh, the fourth row, and um, you know the injury didn't. Uh, I didn't get re-injured in the crash because uh, my my head hit first, obviously, and. Um, just did slid pretty gracefully, but uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm not too happy with second place, but uh, it's a lot better than going down for sure. Well, and it was it was a battle all the way to the wire, at least in race two. Was race one uh, refresh my memory that close? Yeah, it was. Honestly, it was just uh, it was the same thing in race two. It was. I mean, it could have gone either way. Ra- there was a lot more battling in race one, just because there was a lot of us up front for a while and. You know, it was it was pretty exciting for the fans, and there was a lot of back and forth. And uh, the race too, the pace was pretty hot, and PJ definitely had a little pace on me just because it was his home track and I had a uh, lack of track time and whatever excuse I could use. But uh, <laughs> fact of the matter, he had he had he had a little pace on me, so I knew uh, I just wanted to stick on him for most of the race, and um, I was going to try to make my move in the last lap. There were some spots where he was a lot faster than me, and some I was you know, almost running into him. So it was kind of like a cat and mouse deal. But uh, unfortunately, we ended up uh, second, and he uh, closed in on our uh, points lead. So going into Barber, it's definitely going to be a showdown, and uh, I'm ready for it. And just got to be uh, stoic and, you know, go roll with the punches and try to win the thing. Well, you- so you got uh, P.J. Jacobson, Hayden Gillum, and yourself fighting for the Supersport title. Do you – do you have a plan going to that? Is it ride as hard as you can, see where the chips fall, or do you do you do you ride to protect your your points? What do you do? Yeah, at this point, PJ is so close. I just have to beat PJ. Obviously, keep it on two wheels and beat PJ. Um, and you know, it's kind of hard to have a plan as of right now. And the more I think about it, the more it obviously it's like. You know, it, it just puts more pressure on myself. The more I think about it, maybe you shouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> now you've no, had a good... no, no. I'm not really, I'm not really thinking about it too much as of right now. As of a plan for the race, I'm not really thinking about that. I just need to go and treat it like a normal race weekend and go and do my thing and don't let the championship affect how I ride. So, I mean, that's the plan as of right now. And um, yeah, I, I don't think. There's no game plan because as of you never you can't predict anything in the super sport class this year. You know it's been so up and down, and there's been so many riders up front that could battle for you know the podium spot. So um, the new asphalt's going to definitely be uh, 
hopefully, I, I have no idea. I've heard it, it's tearing up tires uh, pretty quickly that Moto America is we're talking about even shortening race distance for uh, that weekend. But uh, I'm ready for whatever whatever happens, though. Well, tearing up tires means lots of grip and a smooth surface. So I, it's, I can, the only things I foresee happening is guys pushing too hard with all the available grip, and then you end up with really spectacular crashes when you've really pushed it into a corner pretty hard. Uh, but I, I'm looking forward to the, the Barber when it's smooth, at least from riding, is God, it's the best. Uh, I've, I've had the fortune of being there when it was freshly paved and Barber's a great place, even when it's, you know, worn out compared to most racetracks. So, I, I got yeah. It. You know, I didn't, I didn't think it needed a new surface, but uh, I can't imagine how fast the times are going to be when uh, when we get there. You know, yeah, I, I would imagine that uh, Dunlop. I heard that Dunlop was even going to probably, if it was necessary, make even a harder compound than what we have available right now in the two week span that we have. Yeah, and there's some testing going on there right now, I think. And they've, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they went with a harder compound because, yeah, you're right. I mean, a qualifying tire on an excessively grippy surface that's really smooth. Uh, yeah. I, I foresee crazy. track records happening, really. That's, that's kind of what I would expect. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, you know, I was, I was thinking, yeah, the pace would definitely be a consistently, a, you know, a second a lot faster, you know, for sure. Um, but then again, who knows, you know, if they're bringing harder tires and all weather, that, who knows? And we always have weather. weather last year. It rained at least one of the days, um, if not both. And, but you ended up with dry racing Sunday. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was honestly, we got pretty lucky. We, we didn't, I don't remember it being wet last year. I was carrying I an umbrella. It rained early in the day and okay. I think they pushed the program a little bit on Sunday just to shoot for a gap in the weather um okay we definitely had umbrellas sunday it definitely rained but i don't know that any of the races would have been what you'd call a wet race okay yeah you i don't think so but yeah you never know there um with the weather too so and well if it's you know if it has uh if it's freshly repaved you know it's i'm sure that the wet weather riding will be uh not as bad as some of the tracks we go to i'm sure that would be some grip in the pavement yeah, they've done a lot of work at Barber as well on drainage. Uh, the few, few, very few problem spots that they had, you know, down by the museum. Um, there was, I think, back in the day, turn 12 or 11 or 12, whatever you call it, uh, before you go up and over the tunnel, there was some runoff issues, and I think they fixed all of that before this pave even. Wow. Yeah, and I, I'm definitely going to – I would definitely want it to be dry for sure, especially for the showdown and, you know, it's – it's just more exciting, you know, a, a straight up battle in the dry instead of wet, wet conditions bring out so many variables and, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. You can't control everything, which you can't anyway when you're racing, but like you say, the variables are, are, there's a lot of question marks when you have a wet race. Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a good one for you guys. I'm sure we're going to. I'm sure it's going to be a barn burn. No, no chance we're going to see you and uh, you and Mister uh, Jacobson go all Heron and uh, Heron and uh, oh, um, 
Eslick. Eslick. God, that was just one of my favorite years of all time. They both completely threw the title away just so they could have essentially a fist fight for all of us <laughs> for an entire weekend. Yeah. And it was, it was awesome from a fan's perspective. I know having talked to both of them vaguely about it, uh, no one brags about that uh, uh, weekend, but God, it was fun to watch when it happened. No yeah, chance, no chance of that. There was went down in the last race in the wet, didn't it? And uh, they were just uh, standing each other up, and they completely gave away the title. Um, you know, that was awesome. Did they give it away to Martin? Was it a yeah. battle? Yeah. No, they were they were the leaders of this of the championship going into the weekend, and they got into the world's greatest uh, pissing match, and they completely lost sight of what was happening. And really, I mean, they just went around the track, standing each other up at every single corner, and Martin ran away with it. Brutal. It was Brutal. again from a fan's perspective one of the most fun things to see. There was just it was a lot of fun. Uh, again, I'm sure both of them wish they could take it back, and one of them could be holding that title uh, years later. But they've both gone on to great success. It was it was just interesting to watch. Well, you're definitely not going to see that from me. I'm definitely going to be. <laughs> you're going to keep I'm it a little more professional than that. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely don't want to throw it away for sure, and just you know being stupid. So. Um, yeah, no, I'm definitely going to be keep it a little more, uh, not trying to stand anybody up. I want to win the right way. And, uh, what, so what else have you been up to this year? Have you been out doing the flat tracking as well if, at all? No, uh, no, man, I haven't actually. It's been, it's been a, quite of a, a mellow time and, uh, you know, during, between the races, just other than just kind of going to the gym and just dealing since Pittsburgh, just dealing with this dang injury of, of mine and my heel and uh tip fib and my rib area and stuff and back so i've been still dealing with that i'm still on crutches which is just a pain especially during traveling which is completely terrible um i haven't really been riding too much dirt bikes just because you know i, I physically just can't um but before pittsburgh i was uh hit the motocross tracks and waiting for my new uh 2020 suzuki 250f to show up Nice. nice nice well and it yep, showed yep. up right probably right as your injury set in exactly no it really did yeah have no, you I ever wrote it yet wondered why they don't put electric start on their motorcycles i wonder why they haven't changed that motorcycle exactly like the 600 but uh you know it honestly they produce such good motorcycles you know and uh and it, it says something where they don't change anything for so many years but yet they're still competitive so kudos to suzuki for sure Without without doubt, uh, I mean, at least in the in the case of the GSXR, we can absolutely say fastest guy. I mean, you, clearly you're you're at the front, and we see the same around the world in all various series. Uh, the the bike isn't missing any steps. It does not seem. No, no, it's definitely you know it's uh, definitely an oldie but a goodie for sure, and uh, you know it's still continuing to get better each weekend. Believe it or not. What about your your teammate, uh, uh, Sean Dylan Kelly? Was he seventeen? Yeah, seventeen. He's coming. He's coming on strong. He's doing good, and uh, you know, um, yeah, he's he's coming along pretty good. And then we have a we have a good you know there's good atmosphere under the tent, and you know we share some data, and no, it's it's going along pretty well with uh, Sean and myself. 
Yeah, he's uh, you guys work on and off the track pretty good. I mean, do, do you see him as a Moto America class champion in the future? Um, yeah, you never know. I mean, uh, you know, he has he definitely has the speed, so I, I don't know if he'll be there in the future. Who, who knows? I mean, I, I've seen a lot of fast young riders, and uh, you know, I've seen some that just plateaued as well. But it seems like he's learning and getting faster each weekend, and uh, you know, our, the vibe between us um, on and off the track are, are good. We we race close against each other, but it, it's clean and, you know, off the track we're we're buddies and we share the lounge and no, it's all, it's all good as of right now. You buy him cigarettes cause he's not <laughs> old enough. That kind of cool stuff. Or? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Buy him some chew. He just has a dip in all day. It's <laughs> awesome. Hey, I can, yeah. I can get you, I can get you some, pouches if yeah. you want or whatever they're called with the skull skull bandits yeah. yeah that's what it is i get you some bandits he's sucking on his jewel all day yeah his jewel i'll go yeah. I, can, I can go cast a vote for you in the next election i can yeah it's funny uh you gotta you guys have a great team in that m4 team uh jake lewis on the on the big bike I mean, you guys must be just having a ball out there how much does uh chris ulrich uh, is i mean is he a a big part of your everyday. Clearly, I'm sure he is at the races. Yeah, you know, Chris is cool, man. I mean, I uh, I call him and give him crap every other day, and just honestly about random things. I just really want to wake. I wake up and find things to give him to give him crap about. You know, I literally just find things just to just to torment him. Yeah, but, that's uh, awesome. <laughs> seriously, I, I I always I mess with him, and uh, no, it's it's pretty cool, man. It's. Uh, he's been awesome to work with and him and John, honestly, it's been, it's been, the atmosphere is so good, uh, underneath the, the tent and dealing with everybody. I honestly, I can't complain. I'm not just saying that because I'm, uh, I'm live here, but it's, uh, the atmosphere is awesome. Our guest is Bobby Fong. And we're, as we're nearing the end of the interview, I, I want to ask you before switching to the super sport class this year, you had a pretty good amount of experience racing the thousand CC machines in the superbike and stock 1000 classes is mm-hmm. getting back back on a big bike, a goal of yours. Do you think do you feel your riding style suits one over the other? And, and how does that play uh, into your 2020 plans? You know, I could adapt to the thousand and the 600 fairly quick. You know, I could change my riding style. I've just from riding so many different brands over the years. I'm, I'm pretty adaptable. I could change up a lot of things in my riding. Um, but honestly, it, it just depends on what I have for next year. And I'll, I'll ride a thousand, I'll ride a 600 and I'll ride a SB 650. Um, it's whatever the team, uh, wants me to do. If I'm with them for, it's whatever the team uh, wants me to do. And, you know, I can't claim racing motorcycles is, uh, still a dream come true. And yeah, I, Honestly, as long as I'm still riding a motorcycle, I'm up for whatever. That's killer. And you got, you've been in this series a long time, Bobby. I mean, I would dare say, uh, Everybody you're, thinks I'm so old, man. I wouldn't say you're old, but you're a veteran of the sport, a veteran of the series. Yeah. I mean, going back to your early years, it was you versus your teammate, Jake, right? East West AMA in the early yeah, days yeah, of the no. super sport. Yeah, I never really. Uh, yeah, I raced with Jake a few times, but I was yeah, I was even there before Jake. Yeah, you um, are a little before. Yeah, not a little, probably a couple years. And I was country yeah. when country yeah. wasn't cool. <laughs> yeah. Good luck, Bobby. Uh, thanks, guys. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about pizza, but I think we can we can save that for the next one when Scott's here. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Boys. Anybody you want to thank before we cut you loose? Um, no, just everybody uh, Everybody that's been behind me. Obviously, uh, M4S, Bar Suzuki, my coach, Josh Hayes, and uh, everybody that just had my back you know, throughout the whole season. All right, Bobby Fong. We uh, we will send him into the uh, the twilight as we're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up hour number two. This is Pit Pass. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Chad Reed with Monster Energy Yamaha 360 Fly Chaparral Motorsport. With the tremendous amount of horsepower and torque created by modern dirt bikes, today's racewear must withstand tremendous forces. It must breathe well, be lightweight and protective, yet still durable. Fly Racing created its Evolution 2.0 racewear to fulfill these requirements. Evolution 2.0 features the industry's first BOA closure system race pant designed to provide custom comfort, smooth, even closure, no pressure points, and simple one-handed adjustment. Add to that the Evolution 2.0 ProFit Advanced Ventilation Jersey and Premium Race Glove, and you have Generation Next racewear, built to withstand the extreme conditions created by the modern dirt bike. For more information, visit flyracing.com. It's much more than a piston company. Wiseco now offers a full line of quality performance products, including forged pistons, precision forged clutch baskets and hubs, crankshafts, camshafts, forged connecting rods and valves. At Wiseco, we offer accessories for just about any motorcycle, ATV, snowmobile, personal watercraft, outboard marine engine, or automobile on the market today. After 70 years in the business, Wiseco has established a great reputation as a brand that can be trusted to deliver high quality performance products for power sports enthusiasts and professionals wiseco america's motor racing talk show pit pass motor racing weekly comes your way each sunday morning from 8 to 10 right here on des moines sports station 1460 kxno this is 1460 kxno if you're passionate about riding motorcycles both off-road and on check out the full line of yamaha dual sports at hickland power sports the Yamaha TW200 features Yamaha's famous reliability, electric start, an ultra-low seat, and comfortable fat tires, making it one of the industry's simplest to ride motorcycles. The Yamaha XT250 offers the same ultra-dependable, user-friendly performance, but in a more versatile, powerful, and lighter weight package. And for riders who like to take their fun off-road more than on, there's the high-performance enduro-derived Yamaha WR250R, featuring long-travel suspension and advanced high-end design. Whatever you your budget or riding style. Yamaha has a dual sport model that's right for you. For more, visit YamahaMotorsports.com today. Then visit Hicklin Power Sports and Grimes to see the new 2017 models from Yamaha. The first name in dual sports. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeves, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. Time out. Drink Swell Vodka, proudly and carefully distilled and filtered in Iowa. Find Swell Vodka in fine stores, restaurants, and bars near you. Like Swell on Facebook. Hey, it's Colin Edwards. You're listening to Pit Pass Radio. All right, uh, we've had a fun hour. We've had Larry Pegram and Bobby Fong. We just finished up with him. Larry Pegram won his semi at Williams Grove Half Miles in Mechanicsburg, PA, and that was quite a race. Yes, indeed it was. In AFT, in the Twins class, we had Briar Bauman, uh, Brandon Price, followed by Davis Fisher. Um, coming down to the end of the season here, we got two more races, and uh, Bauman's doing everything he can to unseat Mr. Meese, who didn't come in but fourth place in the final there. And then in the singles class, we had Dalton Gautier, Morgan Mishler, and Oliver Brindley. Uh, that's also 
that season this the season of AFT has been amazing. It will be awesome to see exactly what happens at the end of this season regarding uh, this this Twins class. I mean, I think uh, Briar's got a 25, 35-point lead right now. It's his re- it's his, t- it's his title to lose. With two to go? Yeah, for I mean, sure. I mean, Briar's been, been solid all year long. He's been solid. Mies has got, uh, you know, one more win, actually. Briar yep. has five, but Briar's Mies has six, but yes, uh, yes, yes, he hasn't he hasn't had as many completely bad weekends, but it's going to come down to the wire. And then we've got, of course, MotoGP coming up in Mizano, Italy this weekend. They've been off for a minute. Can't wait to see. Again, uh, Marquez has got a pretty dominant uh, lead. But anything can happen. I mean, there's there's a lot of racing left in that series. So, you know, an injury, an unfortunate fall. Not that anyone wishes any such thing, but it is it is going really, really fast in that series. It would have to be something, a really, really catastrophic, unforeseen circumstance it would, for and, Marquez. And Marquez is absolutely, and he's the guy who he crashes routinely. And it becomes YouTube sensations because, oh, my God, he crashed, but somehow he forgot that he was crashing and he never actually falls. (laughs) And he loses the front end for a corner and a half, and the guy continues to ride out of it. He scrapes his helmet and then lands. and uh, he he Never goes goes down. He low sides it so far to where he's bounces. Everything is scraping. The the, the fairing, everything, (laughs) the bar end, everything is scratched up, including his helmet, and then he somehow puts it back on the wheels and doesn't lose a position. Back to the pits. Yeah, no problem, guys. Don't even have to repaint it. Yeah, his abilities are insane, and I look forward to watching the race in there. I mean, there have been other guys putting it in there, so it's Rins. You know, Lorenzo is, gosh, he had just had an unfortunate season as Marquez's teammate, but uh, Vinales has had moments of brilliance. There, there's a number of guys in MotoGP that this season isn't over, and a bunch of them are, this is the time of year. It seems like when the, the guys who are mid-pack or first group, they tend to fight a little harder because they're fighting for their jobs for next Absolutely. year. Absolutely. It's they, contract year, so they're... they're they, for a lot of them. For a lot of those guys, you know, they're going to put a lot more on the line than they have maybe to this point in the season. Looking forward to that race in Italy. Me too. So uh, I've got an event coming up. It's it's at Riverside Raceway in Winterset, Iowa, and it's just south of Winterset. It's September 21 and 22. Something I did over in Davenport, uh, Ryan, who is our, our friend that uh, rides pole start mini bikes. He's a Has goofy a whole kid. bunch of them. Whole slew of them and a bunch of uh, friends that ride them. So we're having a pole start mini bike race on Saturday night. I got the lights we're going to put up on my – I have a pit bike track with an over-under, and it's legit. So we have we have a full weekend of racing on the on the big track. We have a stadium track and a pit bike track. So you can find out information, riversideraceway.net. And I, enjoy, or I, I uh, would enjoy it if every one of our listeners is within uh, a day's drive would come. And uh, make sure you come see me. We have a lot of people. Bet that you'll have some fireworks too, won't you? There's a good chance we're going to have some fireworks. Yeah. So, all right. I want to thank all our guests, including Larry Pagram, Bobby Fong. Good conversation with those guys. Nick Farringer was on, Mike Witowski, and Brad Jeraminski. If you missed any part of it, you can go back and listen to pitpassmoto.com. We've got an app you can download. And uh, iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio has us, as well as our flagship station, 1460 KXNO, on Sunday mornings. I'm Tony Wank for PJ Dorn, The Daily Ons. Thanks May for I listening. Have your attention, please. Excuse me. <clears throat> I-
Are you listening to me? Thank you. The preceding was an exclusive presentation of Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, a division of Pit Pass Radio LC. Any use of this copyrighted material without the express written consent of Pit Pass Radio LC is strictly prohibited. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.